C.S. Lewis once wrote, you are never too old to set another goal or to dream a new dream. Justin Malott personifies Lewis's words as he quests after personal bests from the mile to 100 miles. Justin is a deep thinker on running, dear friend, and Columbus Running Company manager. Moreover, he's an inspiration to those of us aspiring to new heights in our running long past the glory days of interscholastic athletics. This past week, he set a new 5K PR, and pacing his race was one of the high points of my time in running. Afterward, we sat down to bring you the story of that race and the running journey he continues each day. I'm privileged to bring you Justin Malott on mile 163 of Seconds Flat. This is the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. He's broken three times. He refuses to give in. He might do it. Look at that guy. Look at Blake Jewell. Oh, my God. Justin, my man, you've transitioned from longtime listener to the hot seat. Welcome to Seconds Flat. It is a pleasure to have you on board. It is a pleasure to be here. I want to discuss your running journey because it's a story so many of our listeners can connect with and learn from. But first, let's go right to Thanksgiving morning in beautiful and scenic Grove City, Ohio the running capital of Southwest Franklin County. Tell me about that shiny new 5K PR, bud. You know, after uh, years of thinking that I was not a fast, short distance guy, a couple of younger runners I became friends with, you know, sort of nonchalantly said, oh, you know, you can run under 19 minutes. And I said, no, 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 this is never going to happen. I'm not that guy. And they said, oh, yeah, th th this can totally happen. You can do it. So I tried and it did not work out. But I think sometimes that is a good place to start, you know, learning new things. Right. Mm. So Thursday morning, Thanksgiving, I returned to the scene of the first attempt and went well under the mark. Uh, thanks in no small part to you. Um, and yeah, and it's, it's, it's been a roller coaster of just, you know, overwhelming emotion ever since. <laughs> well, you did the work. You deserve the credit. I was just lucky to be along for the ride that day. What was the highlight of the day for you? Uh, you know, probably the cool down. Uh. Um, you know, we had a, a group of us there, you know, people who, you know, we, we've run with, um, work with, you know, friends, uh, and, uh, all of us afterward, jogging through the neighborhood, talking about the race, spending time together. I mean, a lot of us had good days that day, but really I think that the, um, the time spent with friends afterward was, was probably the highlight. I, I, would, I would chalk that up as one of the best runs I've ever had. Mm. Yeah, camaraderie. The spirits were high. I, you know, as I reflected on my highlight of the day, uh, that was at the top of my list too. Everyone was in such great spirits. Uh, since you took mine, 
I'll give you another. And that is, we're like two and a half miles in and you're doing a great job. You're just trying to hang on my shoulder. Even when I could tell it was getting tough. Um, another one of our coworkers, Kyle, friend of ours, had been trying to hang on as well. And he started to fade just a little bit. He ran well also. From you, the grunting and the breathing are picking up. And <laughs> it was a good reminder for me of just how challenging that distance is when you're running it all out. I, I thought back to the last time that I made an attempt and I was doing the same stuff. But at this point, it, I'm yelling back at you something like, be tough when it gets tough for some coaching cliche. And I believe you told me you might poop yourself. Is that accurate? <laughs> that is accurate. Yes. Yes, that is accurate. Okay. You made it through though. I did. I uh, Just for clarity here, um, <laughs> you know, in, in terms of Strava, at least, that last mile was a mile PR for me. Yeah. All my mile PR. You were really pressing the gas to the floor at that point because of the nature of the course with the second mile having a little more uphill than the first or the third, I eased off our pace just a little bit to, to keep you in check and then tried not to press too much on the first downhill, knowing we had a, uh, nearly a mile and a half to go. We had that uphill stretch, but I knew we'd get a turn and then a flat and a downhill that you were ready for. And so you you made this comment about how you were feeling and it probably deservedly so with how fast you were running. And I think I just yelled back at you to shut up. That was that uh, accurate. Yeah, what, what friendship that was. But Because I knew what you could do, because I knew we hadn't gone across the line yet. And while that was funny, actually, my my real highlight of the day is there's there's just so few days like that when the weather is fantastic. As you mentioned with the cool down, we're surrounded by people we care about, who care about us, who love the sport. And God gives us this blank slate to create something so beautiful. That's truly a blessing. And, and we don't know how many of those we get, right? How many opportunities we have to have a day like that. How much have you reflected on just that immensity of the day bigger than yourself, what, what you did, but also what it meant to so many people who are with you and sharing it with those people. You know, it, um, it's interesting that you say that because I was, I was talking to a mutual friend of ours the other day, and he was commenting that, that running for him, he's, you know, considerably younger than we are, running for him really, uh, and he does some coaching, is about his personal growth and development. And that you know, he looks at us and sees how uh, invested we are in other runners. Uh, and I think that, that that is part of just the, I don't know, the, the growth of depth with your relationship to the sport. You know, it, it, it occurs to me that in a lot of ways, things started out for me, you know, very much in terms of personal pursuits. But as time has gone on, uh, the way that it connects me to other people has, has become probably more important even than my own personal goals. Yeah, life is about so much more than us and what is happening to us in any given moment. Um, let's put a pin in that. I'm going to come right back to it, though. But you mentioned your personal goals. So let's rewind and tell us how, how you found running. So I... Uh... I was a soccer tennis guy in high school, wasn't really, you know, exposed to running as a sport, started kind of jogging around a little bit, you know, after high school, just trying to stay, you know, in shape. 
And then in college, uh, became friends with a guy and he and I got into rock climbing and he just had uh, a level of endurance that I didn't possess. And he had been a cross country runner and skier in high school. This was, you know, I was living, um, working with him in New Hampshire, going to college in Vermont. So I, you know, got myself a pair of trail running shoes and started going out and doing this dirt road through an area where I lived and, you know, just trying to get a little bit of what he had. Um, And I, you know, just sort of hobby jogged around for years, you know, doing maybe a little bit of periods where I was a little more dedicated, but by and large, nothing that resembles real running training. Um, And then I met a woman, uh, my fiance, Abby, who you know. A wonderful woman. Yeah. And and she is indeed. As an aside, it was, I thought really special to have her along for the run uh, with us as well, right in that pack. uh, Yeah. When frankly, I, I think she could have broken free earlier and harder if she wanted to. But it, that said something about how much she knew the day meant to you and therefore to her. Absolutely. But, but y'all met relatively recently, right? This is, this is years after you first oh. dabbled in the sport a little bit. Absolutely. You know, I was just sort of maybe running a couple miles a day, you know, a couple days a week, you know, maybe a little more here, a little less there, but nothing serious. And then, uh, she commented to me that she had run a couple marathons the first time we talked. And I thought, well, she's either just full of it because <laughs> if you run marathons, do you know exactly how many it's been, right? Like yeah. you don't, you know, just kind of go, oh, I really don't know. Or she was modest, um, yeah. which is, you know, increasingly rare. Yeah. And it turns out it was the latter, right? Mm-hmm. You know, she had run three marathons and I thought, this was not something that I was capable of, that the marathon was outside my ability level. That was far too big a a thing to tackle. And she asked me what my longest run ever had been. um, And I said, 12 miles. And she said, you can run a marathon. She said, if you can run 12 miles, you can run a marathon. But, you know, I hadn't really done much road running. I was kind of like, you know, mulch path, dirt road guy. And I said, well, I'll make you a deal. I'll run a marathon if you'll run a trail race. And I just signed us both up for the Moab trail marathon. And, uh, that was really, that was the first race I ever ran. How long ago was that, Justin? That has been about four years now. Okay. When did this transform into a way of life and something built around big long-term goals? Was it after that period? You know, so so now I had committed myself to running this distance, which for all intents and purposes, I had never thought I could do, right? Um, so I went and I bought a book, The Hansen Marathon <laughs> Method, and I just read it cover to cover twice, you know, trying to understand how to get ready to tackle this. And I made myself a schedule, you know, based on the recommendations in that book. And for, you know, I think probably something like, 12, 14 weeks, I just followed that schedule and then showed up and ran the race. And a couple big things happened through that. One of them was I started to learn that with 
specific training, I could accomplish things that just sort of casual, unstructured running would, would never get me to. And two, that I could do things which with preparation were far beyond what I had thought. So around that period, I, I thought after the marathon, well, I've done something I never thought I could do. You know, if I keep on this sort of path, what, what else could I accomplish? Mm-hmm. And that was really the transition. You know, one big win was all it took before I kind of was ready to just go in on it. Yeah. Two pieces to that, Justin. One is you, you hit that moment in your early 40s. I find that especially powerful because for so many, those dreams of just athletic success in general, or maybe running more specifically, end at high school or college. Yet we have an audience of so many who carry that on through their lives. And you are a a wonderful example of to just start to unpeel that onion at that age and now be diving into it so deeply. And I know also that your running structure has evolved quite a bit since that time. What have been the most important lessons you've learned about training in the time since you started pursuing those big goals? In terms of training, getting into it uh, initially, there are so many potential pitfalls. I think that so often uh, what we see when we look at, you know, television or the internet is uh, the best of the best, right? We see the Boston Marathon, we see the trials, you know, we, we see the, the pinnacle of running ability. And for most of us, it's not going to ever look like that. Um, so it's, it's very easy to think that you're going to go out and, and jump in and you're going to just be running hard and fast. And that's how you get there. Um, but, you know, probably a lot of the things that I've learned along the way are things that are going to be really familiar to listeners of this podcast. Uh, but to the novice runner, running slower to get faster, you know, um, taking your time, the patience required to develop systems over time, as opposed to thinking that, you know, harder is always better. I mean, these have been some of them hard learned lessons, but incredibly valuable nonetheless. Where do you think you still have the most room to grow? You know, that's a really good question. I think that I still have the most room to grow in learning to continue to just believe in myself and in my training. I think that there's often a disconnect between logically thinking, uh, if I do these steps, I can accomplish this thing. And, And then on the other hand, putting your heart into it and really believing that you can do it, you know, having the faith in yourself to, to keep showing up and trying, even when it seems very hard. Um, So I, you know, I have specific athletic goals in terms of, you know, maybe this distance or that distance, but I think that, you know, always the challenge is to, to really believe that you can do those things. Mm -hmm. You willing to share any of what those next big goals are now that you've conquered this one? Absolutely. Um, So as you're aware, uh, I had tried, there's a, there's a theme here, right? I had tried and failed (laughs) to run a hundred miles. 
would have been really easy to just say, oh, well, yeah, I'm clearly not cut out for this. It's too hard for me. But instead, I kind of took some time, reevaluated it. Um, I'm going to take a minute here to say for folks who have never done it, consider getting yourself a coach <laughs> if you have big goals. Having someone to help you see your blind spots, um, to help you recognize you know, where you can improve in ways you may not realize can be invaluable. But, you know, found myself a great coach, <laughs> came back, uh, put in the work, took it easy when I needed to, worked hard when I needed to, and ran a 100-mile race. So I'm going to throw my hat in for the Western States 100 this year. We have the lottery next weekend. And then on the other end of the spectrum, um, I'm going to try to race the mile this coming year as well. It's kind of been a, a goal that I've been kicking around to try to run under five minutes in the mile. It's a big goal, you know, especially for somebody who's taking on the mile for the first time in their mid forties. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, you, you never, you never accomplish big things if you don't have big dreams. Right. So I'm, I'm ready to go in on it and really try. Yeah. You mentioned having someone who can see your blind spots and, and, and be a guide, but also you previously mentioned belief and believing in yourself and having someone who believes in you, regardless of what the training looks like is of immense value along that journey. I know you think deeply about this sport and also about the community and relationships within the sport. So let's take a, a step back to that cool down you mentioned as the highlight the other day. Moments like that that led up to the PR 5K and will, will continue to lead to great races in the future. Tell us more about what that journey means to you, not just the race itself and the accomplishment itself. Um, I really think that, um, the journey probably so often we focus on the race and approach the training as though the training is only there as a way to facilitate success in the race. And I think that that's backward because really anyone can have a bad race day. You know, you're just as likely to have a bad race day as a good race day, really. Even if you've prepared really well, you know, any number of things can go wrong. Uh, but if you're able to focus on the journey there, all of the time that we invest preparing for these races, if you're able to be present to those experiences, you know, intentional about the days and weeks and months that we, you know, put in both, you know, uh, with our friends and training partners and by ourselves, right? You know, if we're able to consciously be present to the hundreds and hundreds of days of training, you know, that are going to amount to only a couple of race days, that's, that's really where I think we can find the most uh, fulfillment and also, you know, the, the most about ourselves, you know, in, in the sport, the relationships really you might race with your friends one day, but uh, you have potentially, you know, weeks and weeks of training with those people. And those are really the experiences that years later, we're going to remember. You know, I, I'll probably forget what my 5k time was a decade from now, but I'll always remember the, the people that I trained with and, you know, the time that I spent with them. And those really are going to be the hallmarks and the highlights of, of the whole process. You use such a 
beautiful word in there early in your response about investment, investing in that time and in that process. And we have two options. We can spend our time or we can invest it. What are we doing with every day of our training, but every day of our lives too? Investing toward race success can go hand in hand, right? With an investment in being a better person, an investment in the people around us. I love the way that you phrase that. One of the big positive steps you've taken in your training over the past year is a uh, defined warm-up routine, uh, something that prepares your body for the session or race, but also keeps your mind anchored in the routine rather than the outcome. So in turn, that routine allows for the possibility of the desired outcome. And uh, I bring that up because I know ritual in running and in other aspect of life means a great deal to you. Could you take some time to unpack why you think ritual is so significant to us as runners and more simply just as humans? Absolutely. Um, I think that so much of uh, our modern lives um, is built on the assumption that, that everything we do is a step in getting to some outcome, right? You know, you, you go to college to get a job or, you know, you, you do some work to, to get some other thing. But just taking the time to be mindful and present and intentional to the rituals of life, you know, not brushing your teeth, right? It might be something we do every day and, you know, we sort of like go through the steps, but we're not really, most of us probably, um, really intentional about those things. And when you take that time to be present to only the thing that you're doing, that's when you really find uh, the value in it. You know, and I think that it also provides the most opportunity to, to grow from it and to understand you know, something about yourself. If, if you're running and you're thinking, about something else, really, you're, you're probably not doing yourself any favors. But if you're just present to your body and the movement and, you know, the awareness of how you're going through this activity, that, that can be, you know, incredibly informative. And, and, you know, like you said, this routine can be a way to set that, um, to set yourself up for success in that having a series of things that you go through to put yourself in the mental place to be aware and to be present and to be intentional. Where else are you able to apply that in your life beyond running? I mean, I think that we probably should be applying it in as many places as we can. Yeah. I think spending time with, with the people you care about. Uh, yeah. You and I have had a number of conversations that, you know, time just sort of goes by because you're so present, you know, to the time and the conversation and the person that you're with that you're not distracted by anything else. And this is how I think we build the best relationships in our life, as well as, you know, maybe building the best habits. Yeah. Yeah. Those uh, relationships are strongest when they're rooted in, in deep mutual interest, trust, communication, not just looking at a screen and seeing what someone else is writing. 
it's being where our feet are, right? Be where your feet are, not consumed by a world of distraction and consumption. Running is such a natural outlet for that. It's such a unique opportunity in that way to practice this skill. But I I don't know about you, Justin, but I often reflect that it's in those moments where I'm where I am, where my feet are, that life has the most meaning. And moreover, the other stuff on the outside, the anxieties, the worries, the long-term concerns, all sort of drift away. They become less significant. Do, Do you see that when you're engaged in your running? It changes perspective on so many other things as well? Absolutely. It is sort of the case that if you can, you know, if you go into a run, you know, when maybe you're having a lot of struggles in your life or things seem overly complicated, just the feel of your body moving through space, the, the sensation of your own breathing, of your own movement, of the air against your skin. I mean, these are the kinds of feelings that bring us back to to the center of who we are, uh, when it's so easy to ignore those things um, and get caught up in, you know, the Joneses or, you know, uh, the work problems or the stresses. I think that there, there's so many uh, things in our lives that are competing for our attention that it's increasingly difficult to really focus that intention back on ourselves and ask, you know, how am I feeling? You know, to check in with your body, to check in with your mind, to check in with your emotional health. Maybe you're really stressed out and until you get out and start moving and let that go, you're not even aware of all the stress you're carrying around. Mm. Um, In those moments, you know, sometimes it's a sense of reflection and sometimes it's just a feeling of letting off the burdens that we don't even know we're carrying. Yeah. When you pare down those things and think about where you most want your attention to be focused, running, but what else? What what have you found you've been able to sharpen your focus around within your life through that lens of running? Well, you know, I do a number of other things, but one of the things I do is, you know, furniture building, you know, things like that, where that kind of mindset of letting other things go and focusing is, you know, is valuable in in any pursuit. So, you know, I'll take it into, you know, designing a table patiently, you know, working with my hands when I'm building um, relationships as well, right? You know, if we're able to, to put aside, you know, our distractions, and, and focus our, you know, energy more genuinely into the time we spend with people that, you know, I, I really feel like there, there are a number of areas, you know, that they can help cooking a meal, right. You know, it's taking the time to be uh, intentional and purposeful in the preparation of food probably will result in eating a little bit better. Um, <laughs> It also made it result in a little bit more enjoyment in just the activities of day-to-day life. Uh, we're coming to the end of Men's Health Month. And 
for both of us, running is an important outlet for our mental and physical health. And you could hear it right there in those recent answers you gave. We've had conversations time and again about just how much an individual run can mean for our day and for our lives, how much it can change our our outlook on all the things that weigh on us. But moreover, uh, having other men who share this passion that we can communicate with is so valuable for our health. So I'll freely admit I've talked to you about struggles with family health or my running injuries or relationships. Uh, And you went through a significant period of injury this summer after your successful 100 miler at Mohican. Take us into that period, if you would. How did it affect you? And then looking from a a broader scope forward, how did it change your relationship with running? I'll mention that, uh, you know, I don't come from a sports family and I've never been a standout athlete. So it's, it's not like I'm saying this from a place of just athletic giftedness, but I, I've never really been injured in a way that made me not able to do the things that I want to do. Um, and, and it's not, it's not to say, you know, that I'm just, you know, so durable. Uh, it just happens to be the case. Right. So I was, I think not really prepared for how difficult it was going to be for me when uh, I came up against an injury that forced me to take several weeks off of running. And, you know, we've talked about how uh, running can be so positive in so many ways in terms of community and, you know, health and fitness and self-reflection. But having a break for me was enlightening in a lot of ways as well as I struggled with watching friends and, you know, acquaintances continue to evolve and progress in their running while I felt like I was falling behind. Also, you know, like I had had a, probably the best training block of my life and, you know, feeling, you know, that, that fitness sort of slipping away, knowing I had this 5k goal uh, coming in the fall, feeling like all the work I had put in was being lost. And I learned about myself in terms of the the struggles that I had being happy for other people Hmm. when it was so tempting to just feel sorry for myself or feel jealousy uh, or resentment. I think that so often we don't talk about those things. We feel uh, embarrassed that we have those feelings. But at some point, you know, hopefully uh, we have confidence. I mean, I discussed these things with you. I told you, you know, I'm taking a break from Strava. It's not that I don't want to be happy for people. I just feel like emotionally, I'm not in the, the place where I'm able to do that in a, in a really good way. But if anything, I think that it, it taught me uh, to be patient. And again, it comes part in part back to that belief, the confidence that if I was patient and I continued to do the things that I needed to do to not give up, uh, that, that things would come back around and I would be able to return to, to training in you know the ways that I had in the past. But it was, it was definitely a struggle. Yeah, a struggle that was made more difficult, as you said, by an outside influence, like even just being on Strava and just oh. as simple as giving kudos to one of your friends on a run. 
it, it takes you down that path of wishing you were out there. Now we can look back though. Now we can see that five, six months later, how well this turned out. I think you knew at some point during this interview, I would quote uh, 80s pop sensation Wilson Phillips. (laughs) Hold on for one more day. Things are going to change, right? It's it's true. You, You just keep trying to make the decision that will benefit the future version of yourself. And it can become so hard when things are not going well. And uh, Justin, it is super easy for me to ask these questions and then tack on these quips of how we can handle these moments in our lives. But I I have to traverse those things as well. And, And I understand that it might be simple, but it's not easy. The two are so, so very different. When we're in the moment of whether it's injury or whatever kind of other struggle we might face, it it feels so vast and infinite, even if we're wise enough from our accumulated experiences to know that it is not. But getting to that point of understanding that, hey, I I'm going to face these lows that that inevitably both of us, as well as every single person listening right now, will face difficult moments again in life. And we are steeled to that to some degree because of what you're expressing, because of our running experience, because we can get to that point and make that decision, uh, what we have called in a running sense here, the moment of truth, that we know that self-pity just becomes the mother of self-destruction. And we have to get back up and have to keep fighting. And uh, you epitomize that because you were in a place, but I'll just, I'll come out and say it for everybody physically, where you struggled to move. Uh, you, you were in very serious discomfort without a real clear understanding of what was even happening, with, without a diagnosis. As positive as, and as encouraging as I tried to stay with you, that it was open-ended. We couldn't put on a calendar, hey, it's going to get better this day. And watching you through that was such a great reminder for me of the biggest metaphor of running for life, because there's so many we talk about here all the time. The biggest is we can't put a day on the calendar and say, I'll feel better that day. I'll run faster that day. I'll run farther that day. At some point, we just navigate to that spot. And when we do, we darn well better savor it because we might go through another valley again before we climb. It's the climb. Miley Cyrus. I'm quoting all the legends. <laughs> uh, for you, though, that, that race Thursday, that cool down Thursday, that was that mountain after a, a, a really, really long climb. It was a well-deserved moment for you. I remember when you first said after I hadn't run in weeks, maybe go out, do a few easy miles, see how it feels, you know, because we had taken the step, we'd gotten through the race, you know, we we were going to shut it down, do some physical therapy, some strength work. And I went out and I ran four miles and it was so slow and so clunky and it felt so just bad. 
<laughs> and I came home and I was frustrated and angry and, you know, in pain. And I thought, you know, this is just unfair, right? Like, this is just not right. And I caught myself and I reminded myself, but you just ran, Justin. <sighs> For the first time in weeks, you ran. And even if you never run faster than a 10 minute mile for the rest of your life, you better be really grateful that you get to go out and run those 10 minute miles because you thought you might never get to do it again. And then four months later, you're covering that same amount of ground faster than you had previously. Yeah, by a pretty good margin. (laughs) Yeah. Life doesn't promise us fair, but it does promise us the opportunity for redemption to treat ourselves well and to treat others in a way from which we can learn and grow so that in your case, a few months later, you could, you could even the scales with how you felt in that four miles. Because you know we did a couple tune-up 5Ks here this fall for this day. And, and um, I think early on, you, you lacked some confidence from how those went, but it felt like there was a point when things started to click. And, and that doesn't happen for every runner where it just clicks and comes together. But I can think of several times through my running career in a cycle where, where it felt like it clicked. What was that like for you? What changed? Do you remember a, a session or, or a feeling? And then part B how do we attempt to, to bottle that moment when it clicks and to try to harness that more consistently moving forward? I think a lot of that was just, well, first patience. Hmm. Right? Like it, it, it's so tempting to, to, to maybe, maybe it's an instinct that we just have as human beings that we want to get there now. You know, we want to have it now. Um, <laughs> But running tempers that because if you give in to that way of approaching the sport, it tends not to end well. So I just kept doing the little things day in and day out until I started to have workouts that that felt easier. You know, it felt like it was coming back, like that things were opening up, they were you know, everything was moving a little better. At your suggestion, a while back, I had changed the settings on my watch. So it didn't auto split the miles. And uh, I started just running on effort. And then I would turn the watch to time of day so that I couldn't see the pace and just go out, do my workouts on effort. And I started to have those workouts where you know, I looked at the the data afterward and I thought, well, you know, it's getting better. I'm not working harder, but things are starting to progress and, and they're starting to get a little bit, a little bit better. Um, and then I had, a, you're right, I had a couple workouts where I really felt like the the patience had paid off. You know, I didn't push it too hard and suddenly, you know, I would get to the end of a workout and think, you know, that that felt good. I felt stronger. I felt faster. But another component of this is, uh, you know, always comes back to that belief. Because I do remember even in the week before the race, having doubts, you know, thinking, 
I don't feel fit like I felt in the spring. I don't know if I'm as good as I was last year. And I remember you said to me in that last week, after I did a workout, you said, you're ready. And every time I started to doubt myself, I repeated, Justin, you're ready. Trust your training. You're ready. The morning of the race, doing the warm up, um, did warm up with, you know, another friend of mine. He said, how do you feel? I said, my legs feel heavy. He reminded me that a friend of ours who's in college, a young woman had said, uh, the worst warm-ups often result in the best <laughs> Isn't that the truth? So I just said, you know what? Legs feel heavy. Don't worry. You're ready. Just show up and trust in the training you've done. And, uh, and fortunately, it all worked out. As Des Linden's coach, uh, Walt Drent, has said, it's not about how you feel. It's about if you're ready or not. Are you, yeah. are, are you ready for the task? Because in the end, the way you feel is somewhat irrelevant. It's nice to feel good on race day, but if you're ready to do the work, you can set that feeling aside. And also in your answer, Justin, I, there's some truth in it. It isn't always just a moment that clicks. It's moments that stack. And yeah. Whether that's life or running, often we don't even realize they're happening until enough of them have stacked that we now are ready. It's not just how we feel. Yeah, it's it's interesting you say that because as powerful as belief can be, <laughs> belief without preparation uh, does not get you very far. Yeah, um, you really you, you have to have the belief, but you also have to put in the work you know, and the right work. Yeah. You Um, have to marry all those elements. Yeah, absolutely. In mile 80 of this program, Justin, many years ago, one of my co-hosts over the years, uh, our friend Cosmo, and I did an episode on our favorite running quotes for our journey through the sport. Uh, And I love a great quote. And I have all these bouncing around in my head that I've memorized that every once in a while I can just throw them out there. One of those quotes I said in episode 80 comes from Tony Dungy, the former professional football coach of the Indianapolis Colts and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Coach Dungy once wrote, he said, it's about the journey, mine and yours, and the lives we can touch, the legacy we can leave, and the world we can change for the better. When I quoted Coach Dungy 83 episodes ago, we had not met. I am incredibly thankful that that journey led me to a place where I could share that morning with you when you did something that was so special and that your journey is allowing you to touch lives, to make the world in your little space just a little bit better not for some ulterior motive, but just to try to do something right. I am very grateful for that and for your time this evening. Before I let you go, bud, uh, can we do a few quick questions? Mainly, this is the stuff for Dr. Phil. You know that guy. You know him with his sweet tooth and his poor training habits. And these are the, these are the answers he wants. That's right, the dots. Uh, <laughs> three things. One. What's your favorite training session? Oh my gosh, that's a 
That is a tough one. Favorite training session. I'm I'm so tempted to say the Monaghetti. I'm gonna have to oh, go with that. Yeah, okay. You've and, had a good experience with that recently, haven't you? I have. And it it while I was doing it, I thought, you know, this is such a versatile workout. Mm. There are so many different ways that I could approach this to get different things because I've talked to some friends about it and they said, well, you run it this way. I said, well, no, you don't have to run it that way, right? You know, you can play with, with how you run this workout. So, but I'm, I'm not going to use that one because that's, that's the one that you're, you know, that's the one you always are going to use. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't pay you to even bring that up. I have my thought of what you're going to say. Hit me with the answer. Um, uh, after that, I'm going to say my favorite is probably the long trail run. That's exactly I what love, I thought you'd say. I love the long trail run. Yeah. Um, nothing like just, you know, going out and putting in miles and miles in the woods. Just the beauty of nature and movement. And it's, it's just the best. After that 5K PR on Thanksgiving morning, what was the highlight of the Thanksgiving meal? Oh, highlight of the Thanksgiving meal. I got to tell you, this year I did something a little different with mm. the bird. Oh. I did, I did an herb brine for 24 hours. Mm. Um, and mm. it was quite possibly the best turkey I've ever made. So that was really the highlight. I also stuffed it with a sausage sage stuffing that I made. Oh, mommy, the whole mommy. combo was pretty good. Do you have a, a recipe we can post in the show notes? You know, I got to tell you, I kind of just, I'm a, I'm a kitchen you, sink kind of cook. I make it up as I go along. You, you cook as you run by feel and effort, not by go. prescription. Yes. Those who don't know Justin, one of his great food preparation qualities is the quantity of meat this man will put on a sandwich. It's like a pound <laughs> of roast beef on that sandwich, the old meat sandwich. Fantastic. Okay. And then the age old question, it's time for a sweet breakfast. Mm. Are you going to go with pancakes, French toast, or waffles? Rank them in order. Oh, okay. I'm going to go. Oh man, this is tough. So am I making these myself? It could be homemade or just your favorite place to go get each of the dishes. All right. I'm going to go with uh, pancakes are probably going to be my number one. Okay. Um, but on these, they, but they have to have blueberries and walnuts. Oh, oh I like that. Okay. A blueberry walnut pancake. Um, number two is probably going to be probably going to be the french toast but i gotta make it with my mother's bread oh she's in her bread she's quite the baker that woman can bake what a sweetheart yes number three is probably going to be the waffle okay good you're, you're going to give me your rankings here yeah i i continue to hold strong to my breakfast power rankings that i put french toast number one i'll go pancakes two i also would put waffles three so we're similar uh, but enough difference that, you know, opposites attract. So we can, right. we, we still have that going for us. <laughs>
Hey, Justin, it was a pleasure. Thanks so much for, for sharing your time and perspective. Really enjoyed to get to have a, a, a deep conversation like we often do, but to share it with a lot of people who I'm sure connect with your story as a runner. It's absolutely my pleasure, Travis. Thank you for inviting me. For sure, buddy. That is it for mile 163 of the Seconds Flat Running podcast presented by Columbus Running Company. We'll catch you next time with a recap of perhaps the biggest marathon weekend of the year. CIM here in the States, Valencia over in Europe, and Fukuoka in Japan all within 24 hours next weekend. So can't wait to get Dr. Phil back in here to tell you all about three races that I'm sure he won't watch, but I will have. So we look forward to that next time on Mile 164. Enjoy the miles, share them with a friend, run them with intention and have a great week.